We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Yeah. All right. Cool. It's the fuck it. We'll do it live. It's the second one. It's part two. All right. So I'm Mike. He him from Turn Leftist. And tonight I got with me uh, Nick from the Intervention Pod. How's it going, Nick? Yo. I got Brandon from Cars and Comrades. He him. How's it going, Brandon? I'm all right. Google. For my own show, we got Jaron, he, him. How's it going, Jaron? Good, buddy. We got Blaine, she, her. How's it going, Blaine? Good. Ward, from my own show again, he, him. How's it going, Ward? Yeah, it's good to be here. And then from Decolonized Buffalo, we got Rick, he, him. How's it going, Rick? What's up? I'm good. Good to have you, man. All right, so tonight, I guess we're going to start off. I want to talk about Caleb Malpin. That's probably like the biggest pressing thing. Since this is like a, a headline, kind of like shoot the shit show. Um, hopefully, by the way, our sound levels are better this week. Apologies for last time, but uh, I can fix it if anybody really wants. Uh, but I just didn't see the need to spend the time editing to do that. After all, this is a uh, unedited show, so that would kind of defeat the purpose. But if anybody wants, I can I can fix it. But anyway, um, Tate's going up it, in flames, so mission accomplished. Anyway, right? What's that? I said Tate is going up in flames. Anyway, right? So mission accomplished with it. Anyway, so oh yeah, we personally got the Hustle University uh, destroyed. So, kudos to us for that one. Yeah, that was all us. Pat, pat on the back to, to y'all. I didn't, I didn't know that was you. Very, very uh, stealthy. How we roll. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Caleb Maupin. I think this is like the funniest headline going on, at least you know, in the last 48 hours to me, because the whole thing with the patriotic socialists, like that's what this is all about, right? They're so concerned for the safety of women when it comes to trans people existing. And then when one of their own, like one of their most prominent high profile members, is just abusing people in their in their organization for years. They just turn a blind eye. But so I have some uh, like a brief synopsis that I wrote up. I will put the article in the show notes, but it's on Medium, and it's all about it's just statements from all the victims and people associated around Caleb Maupin about what he was doing to these people. And it starts off with uh, the first victim. They call them Member Two, and this was a young woman, and she was like struggling financially to like make rent, living alone. And then Caleb swoops in, she's organizing in the, in the organization, and he swoops in and gets very sexual with uh, the conversations. He's, like, describing sex stuff that he likes, but in a platonic way. He's just saying, like, this is what I'm into, like, all these, like, kinks that he's got. And then she's, like, cool with it, doesn't want to kink shame or whatever. And then they're on some kind of trip, and he causes her to lose her job by making her have lunch with him. Uh, instead of, like, taking her own separate Uber and getting to work on time. And she tells him beforehand, this is, like possibly going to happen that she could lose her job and it will really put her in like dire straits financially and he doesn't listen he does this anyway um and then she's like worried that her own father may lose his home because he's got some kind of like predatory mortgage where like if his credit score goes down even slightly like he will lose his home so this puts her in a really terrible position by the way this is like a terrible like very quick and dirty summary of this whole article because it's a very long article with lots of statements that all go over the same kind of chains of events so pardon but like you can read the whole article if you want to. It is, this is like some of the juiciest, like gossipy shit that we will talk about. But the whole thing about it is Caleb himself is like, just like, he's a messy bitch who loves drama. Like he loves just gossiping and talking shit about people. It is ridiculous, dude. So, oh, he was also, so he was making her pay more money. He's like, he gets all these members to like live in this like hotel that they all share. And he was making her pay more money than like other people had been paying. Like, even though she, he knows that she's struggling, she's telling him all the time how, like, how much she's struggling. And he just says, oh, you know, you got to do what you can for socialism. But he's, just, he's such a dick about it. Like, Now, as we established before recording, I don't really, I'm not very online and I don't know a lot about Caleb Maupin. Mm -hmm. So I'm forced to ask, are you intentionally describing this to sound exactly like a cult? Well, so I mean, that's kind this of sounds so cultish, man. I like they all live in a hotel together. To do, but like from reading this article, it really seems like he is trying to start a cult. And I, I didn't really have that impression. I just thought that they were like a weird organization that Pat Sox themselves were like, you know, closet fascists and turfs who just want to pretend that they're socialists. Um, but I didn't know about this culty aspect. But I don't know, Rick, you have anything? There was there was a post that somebody said that he gave away lo loyalty rings, like he was Sauron and something like that. Yeah, yeah, I posted it on, on my Twitter. <laughs> That's great. It's kind of weird. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
These are just the steps to build socialism. Did none of you read Marx? Right. Yeah, it's all it's all in there. <laughs> <laughs> Marx also, put, you know, forced people into financially vulnerable positions and then paid them to spank him. Right? Isn't that right? That's what socialism one hundred and one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ingalls said that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I meant to read Lord of the Rings, and I I read Lord of the Linens. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I guess, Brandon, to answer your question, like Caleb Maupin is probably one of the biggest mouthpieces in the patriotic socialist, quote unquote, movement. I'm using big air quotes when I put when I say. Movement well, as, because... as you're talking about it, I'm like, I constantly see memes about uh, Pat Sox and I don't fuck around in that world. I don't know what it's always talking about. So is so this is basically anytime I see Pat Sox shit, it's an indirect attack against Caleb Maupin or is this bigger than I'm realizing? Well, the, so the Pat Sox thing is bigger than him, but he's probably one of the one of the foremost guys. I don't know. I mean, Rick may have more to say on this than me. Like we we are going to record another episode on this just on its own. Um, but Rick is more well versed on it. But I can try and give like a short synopsis of Pat Sox and the movement, and then if you want to fill in anything I miss, Rick. But it's like basically these guys who are trying to adopt American patriotism and socialism and, and meld the two together. And people compare it to Browderism or other previous movements in the past that have done similar things. But it always kind of boils down to trying to be patriotic and doing the American exceptionalist apologia, but then also trying to pretend you're a socialist. And then it gets even worse when they take on right wing stances. They like unironically think that Trump is good. And like it's one thing like when we on our show say that like, Biden is no better than Trump and that having Trump in office would have been, you know, internationally no different than having uh, Biden. Or, I mean, I can't remember which one I said first, but the point is, like, we wouldn't go as far as to say that Trump is good or that Republicans are good or that we need to, as Marxists, say that gay people and trans people are bad and that they are all groomers and predators and that any support for LGBT people is, you know, bourgeois liberalism and literally a Soros-funded uh, like kind of operation, which is what Pat Sox think. Um, they are okay. just wholeheartedly adopting no. right-wing like stances and rhetoric. And they, they try to gaslight, and they try to gaslight actual Marxists into thinking that they're wrong, and because you're not in touch with the working class, like you're just talking about like the most reactionary elements of like the working class. These people are right. right. Like they're not. They're totally ignoring. You know, indigenous Marxists, right? All this kind of stuff. The the fact that we're how can you be patriotic for the most brutal imperialist power in the world, in this and it's a settler colony? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, but as like, a socialist, I am always patriotic for the singular imperial core in the world. Like, what the fuck? Before you started getting into specifics, I could almost imagine a path forward for it because. It just, like, obviously, it immediately makes me think of the Young Patriots organization. And I'm not familiar. Oh. Um, shit. Okay, uh, real broad strokes, they were one of the three prongs of the, like, Rainbow Coalition in Chicago in the 60s and 70s. Okay. Um, it was the Young Lords, the Black Panthers, and the Young Patriots organization. Um, they were known for being, like, on, like aesthetically they were very reactionary but they were trying to take other people who were like southern folks who had migrated to chicago and like bring them into the folds they were called the young patriots organization they wore confederate flags uh which they did eventually scrap because uh Bo i think bobby seal and uh fred hampton both kind of talked to him about it but like i've even read accounts of fred hampton saying that they were allowed to wear it if they utilized it for good, which is to say explained why they wore it, that they weren't racist, and so on and so forth. And it obviously became eventually troublesome enough that they just dropped it altogether. Mm. Um, it, you know, they, they had that moment where they were, they were all young and had to consolidate their ideas, and they weren't fully at that point when they formed. But that, w that was the initial impression that I got you describing that, is... These, these folks who grew up in America and think of America as a, a thing that offers them opportunity, but falling short of its potential. Do I agree with it? No. But I can imagine an avenue where it is constructive. And that avenue is something like the Young Patriots organization. Everything that you described about these guys just sound like assholes. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't want to seem like I'm being an apologist for them. Just your like first like two sentence description. I'm like, I don't know. This kind of sounds like some good folks. Yeah. Rick, did you have anything that you wanted to add to uh, my description or synopsis of Passox in general? Yeah, I think that, you know my observation is that they they dismiss um, decolonization. They think it's unrealistic. Um, they dismiss indigenous voices, and you know how they are trying to um, gather, you know, kind of like consolidate their movement around, you know, uh, settler nationalism, which is weird. How can you like go forward, you know, with with you know with settler nationalism? That the whole point of settler, you know, the American uh, nationalism is bourgeois nationalism. So how can you move forward or <clears throat> and magically transform that into like, you know, um. Communist nationalism. It's almost like that. You know, the article um, decolonization is not a metaphor, where it talks about the seller move to innocence. It's like they think because they put a communist mask on, they become innocent. They washed away their settler sins. They're not sellers no more. They, they actually don't like the, the term settler, but they acknowledge white privilege. I heard that from another podcast. It was a radical narrative podcast <clears throat> when they talk about how they, they do acknowledge white privilege, but they don't like the term seller. But they're sellers, right? Yeah. So how can you how can you acknowledge one but not the other? It's because they don't want to lose the power. They don't want to lose the power they have. Nobody gives up their power willingly, especially you know colonists. So you know, I think um, it's just it's a weird narrative, especially people of color that buy into this this narrative. Is to me is odd, you know. So yeah. yeah, thank you. No, I mean I'm glad you added that. That was a major point that I left out and their opposition to decolonization land back always comes from a total misrepresentation of what that would even be. Like their arguments against it are always like, oh, what are you going to uh, genocide the white people and you're going to deport the white people? It's like, no, you're just literally projecting the atrocities that were done to indigenous people onto indigenous people because that's like your go-to move. And it's the same thing that they are doing with LGBT people. They are doing the exact same like projection of a problem that does not exist. And then it has become their whole thing. Like, Pat Sox are pretty much entirely involved with hating gay people and trans people and calling it fighting for women's rights and then hating land back and decolonization and calling it like a bourgeois, uh, what do you call it, like online leftist bullshit. But would you have a word? Yeah, no, it's like they just embody some liberalism in that moment where they're just, they don't, they're voicing their nervousness of losing their position in society to the idea of land back. Yeah, and they 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 um actively talk about um recruiting on the right, you know. And to me, it's kind of odd how they're going to recruit on the right, you know, especially since there's a lot of like um, white supremacist groups on the right, you know. So how are you gonna convince these people to be communist unless they're going to be white supremacist communist, right? Mm -hmm. So let's be honest, you know, if you go to some parts of the country, this country is run on. Uh, the foundations is ran on like racism. It's not always class reduction. It was like, oh, you know, working people, working people. There's parts of the country that are straight up just racist, and I've seen them, right? So recruiting from the right is a really shitty strategy, in my point of view. You know, they talk shit about, um, you know, the people on the left. Are they trying to recruit from the right? Eventually, you're going to become a you can become a fascist. You know, this can happen. So, yeah. Jaren. So I, I really stay out of Pat Sox social circles because like I just don't give it any fucking credence. But hearing the description here is helping me understand a little bit more. Uh, I think in order to for these people to rationalize whatever the hell is going on in their heads, they have to somehow divorce the idea of the evolution of this country from rampant capitalism and vis-a-vis -vis rampant capitalism from puritanical Christianity, because that is the, the, the origin, the seminal point from which we see the growth of global capitalism. It came from the puritanical Christians that were in the early colonies. It came from the idea of, of husbandry of time, of the idea that if you're poor, it's God's will. That, that everything is the way it is because of a certain way and shape that makes sense that is according to the doctrines of dogma and worth. You know, we, we may not say that God 
chose Elon Musk to be the most rich person on the planet, but we say that he's intelligent enough to be the most rich person on the planet. We just took God out and replaced it with some other incalculable bullshit. Um, and if, if you're going to try and hold on to American patriotism as it is and as it has shaped the world, um, there is no way that you can actually be revolutionary because it is steeped in bullshit and in mm -hmm. racism. There is no way to divorce these factors. So being being a patriotic socialist is a walking oxymoron, it sounds like. You can't do that. Yeah. Well, like we did kind of... <laughs> we're getting down the rabbit hole of patriotic socialist. I did not get to even the slightest juicy part of this. Uh, okay, like what he Hit was doing to these people like it's because it gets really drinking. bad. Like I actually, you know, and I'm going to regret now that we're doing a live episode of even calling it juicy because of how bad this is. Like now, I now I already feel bad saying that shit. But like, we know it's yeah, it, it's I like Red Ford looking at the screenshots. Oh, it's one, rough. It's really. I mean, he um he the Bible quotes. This is where it comes in because he's pressuring this person. Oh. Like I said, this girl loses her job and he's like, he doesn't want her to get another job. He's pressured to not make her, he pressured to not get a part-time job outside the organization. And he wants her to be dependent on the org and therefore him. And he sends her like Bible quotes and he talks about how like, he's like, oh, I just want people to be as dedicated as I am. Like I sacrificed so much for this. And meanwhile, he's got like a good paying job at like a news organization. I think he was like working for RT at the time or something. But so she ends up like doing sex work to be able to support the household, her, like herself and her, like, and also the household that she's living in with these people and to keep up on her own bills. And then he kicks her out of that house and out of the org when she relapses on heroin. Like she's going through some rough times, obviously. And so then as she's doing sex work, she is still in contact with him because she wants to remain close to the org. Like she would like to get back in with all these people that she's close to. And then she becomes Caleb's uh, new dominatrix. And she agrees to this because she's desperate. She really needs the money. And then she wants to remain close to the org. Um, and then he asks her not to come to any org functions or to his birthday party because she might run into his wife and it would be weird. And then I put in, in my notes, I'm like, Caleb is married, by the way. Like, which I did not know until I, like, I got to this part of the article. Like, I had no idea he was married and doing all this shit. And like, so this is all just cool with his wife, um, who I, I think is also an org member. But, um, and then so I quoted from the, the article here. The uh, member two, she says, I later learned from other CPI members that this was a common tactic of his, isolating someone from the group through rumors and hearsay in order to make sure I didn't interact with other CPI members in case I decided to tell them about our arrangement. Truth be told, I was terribly afraid of anyone else in the organization finding out I was doing this with him. I was afraid if I told anyone, they wouldn't believe me. And if he told someone, I'd be shunned and ostracized. I saw Caleb as his dominant a few times in December 2021. He essentially paid me to reenact his childhood corporal punishment as a fatherly figure to discipline him. Included in this arrangement was the understanding that he'd also compensate me for the several hours he spent, quote, sexting me about his kink while we weren't seeing each other in person. He texted me so often, I eventually had to ask him to stop because I kept getting notifications from his sexually explicit messages while I was teaching my students. And then even though he agreed to pay for the sexting, he never did. And so this is what I mean about the juicy part. This is the only juicy thing about it is like what Caleb is into. Like this dude loves to get like spanked and has like a weird like, uh, what do you call it? like that? I guess not weird. I guess I shouldn't kink shame, but like... <laughs> Uh, he has like some kind of fetish where he wants to get yeah spanked and called like names or degraded or whatever and like from some stuff he went through as a kid. And then he also just spends tons and tons of time telling these young women about all his childhood trauma to like get them close to him. Be like, oh, I'm so vulnerable and I'm so like, uh, look, I'm opening up to you and I'm definitely yeah. not opening up to like a dozen other young women in exactly the same way. Like, yeah, remember what I said about how all of this sounds exactly like a cult. Yeah, dude. Well, and it's like manipulation tactic, tactics 101. Like, trauma bonding is a very powerful tool. It is so real. If you are listening to this and someone is trying to, like, instantly connect with you like that, run the opposite direction. Run away. Yeah, it sounds up, sounded like kind of two episodes in a row about bad relationship tactics and shit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, this is the less bad of the two. I don't know. I mean, it's arguable. You think Andrew Tate is worse or Caleb Melvin? I'm going to go with the guy who openly Ooh, advocated in your, your partner. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sucks a bag of dicks. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Let's see. 
Oh man, it's we're arguing over like right? hitting your partner or like manipulating your partner to hit you. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's just different. Fuck. I mean, they're both gross in their own ways, right? But like the way this guy is utilizing his organization and literally like getting someone in a position that they've lost the job because of the dedication to this organization and then taking advantage of that moment. Like, you know what? You want to get spanked? Fucking like whatever. But like, don't. Mm. Don't take advantage of your ostensible yeah. comrade. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't give a fuck if you like getting spanked. Yeah. Like, I don't kink shame. I might kink ask wife. I don't understand, but like, that's a whole different thing. But like, yeah. Yeah. Like, this fucking manipulation right. is and like coercion is so yeah, absurd and like, ridiculous and disgusting. It's in the name of socialism. And by the way, here's this Bible verse. And also, this <sighs> happened to me as a kid and it really gets me hard, let me tell you. And to be extremely vulgar about it, like I'm not gonna pay you. I'm not gonna pay you for like essentially your emotional labor as you text me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so much for Marxism. Rick, what did you have? You know what? I wouldn't expect anything less from this person. Like all his events, he's just selling his books. You know. Um, and everything's promoting him, his ideas. And I just feel like um, and that uh, article gets even worse when, you know, you see the screenshots between him and his spouse, you know, and it's just talking about moving to the woods and, and, and live streaming and making money. And it's just weird. If anybody's in politics to make money, you're in the wrong business, right? Well, for capitalists, maybe, but not for Marxists, you know, if you're, you're yeah. in politics, you know, yeah, on the left, then you shouldn't. You're not communist in that point of view, but that's my own opinion. Yeah, but fuck, fuck my open. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole thing just reeks of both like personal and political opportunism, right? Like, that's one thing about this Pat Sock stuff. It's so opportunistic, right? Like, they claim to be Marxist, and I'm going to hammer in on this idea, right? But like, they very, at least from what I've seen of everything that these guys put out, like, they very dogmatically just, and I, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it seems like they're only looking at maybe like Marx and Lenin. And even then they're only cherry picking like certain statements from Lenin and applying it completely out of the context. Like the nationalism of a subjugated people in Russia is very different than the nationalism of the bourgeois, the bourgeois nationalism, as Rick was saying, in the U.S. today. Right. But they'll cherry pick mm -hmm. these Lenin quotes on on nationalism apply it when it's totally out of context right and they completely ignore guys like just for example i know there's a million people we could say but like fanon like and they're missing the point of like marxism you know and socialism evolving as like a science and looking at different contexts and like they're calling people like us anti-marxist like come on guys bars bro what you got brandon okay so again i'm not really up to speed on on this guy so i'm only working with what i've learned here in the last few minutes but if i can uh uh just take a stab in the dark here uh he's doing a dishonest representation of socialism uh he's using it in some avenues to persecute folks cuz i'm understanding he's a turf and he's doing it under the guise of patriotism this almost sounds like, dare I say, national socialism. <laughs> yeah. It only took you like 20 minutes to make that connection where like these guys... I made it like 15 minutes ago. I'm yeah, just dude. like... like Everything that you're... like, Yeah, I'm not going to say full-blown Nazi, but like... It's fashion. some Nazbol shit. Like Nazbol or whatever the fuck you want to say. Sure. Yeah, like... I, well, I, I won't say Nazi because I'll say fascist and I recognize the distinction be between the two. But yeah, he's he's definitely inching towards fascist territory and uh, sounds like a really dishonest depiction of Marxism. Like even to, to call this guy an opportunist sounds too generous to me, though. No, Rick, you would know better than me. I know we're just generally talking about Pat Sox and their views. I don't know how many of these we can attribute to Melvin himself. I was just mostly talking about Melvin because he's the topic of this uh, current news cycle. But I know he is a Pat Sock, and they generally hold those views. Are all these things generally things that he says, like on his channel and his videos or whatever? Oh, uh, you know, I, it's rough because um, some of these Pat Socks hide their disagreement with decolonization. I think Malpin did that for a while. 
Mm. I had him up in my personal Facebook, which is really rare to anybody to be on my personal Facebook that I don't know in person, right? And I had to delete him when I reached out to him to have um, a a uh, collab podcast, you know, like uh, for him to be a guest. And he told me straight up that he he doesn't agree with decolonization, mm. right? And then that point, at that point, he starts speaking more against <clears throat> decolonization. And I was like, something's wrong with this dude. So I just deleted, um, you know, because I, I shouldn't have him on my personal Facebook, but um, I deleted him. And then, you know, but this rhetoric, I talk about this on my podcast, that this rhetoric is not, it's nothing new. Because I've been dealing with this since the late 90s, early 2000s. When I was in uh, PSL, they used to say the same talking point with a lot of these past socks. Um, and sometimes just straight up racism, right, in these orgs. And I dealt with it also with Socialist Party USA out in Los Angeles. And um, <clears throat> and then it's only recently that I feel like it's been very vocal, very vocal when it comes to um, anti-Indigenous rhetoric, anti-trans you know trans rhetoric. And I'm trying to f- see where it's coming from or if there's any, like, some people say it's an op and some people say it's not an op. But somebody pointed out that, you know, I, I do agree that it's weird that there's, like, a resurgence of American patriotism, patriotism during a time when, you know, it's the lowest among the right and the left, mm-hmm. right? Why are these people coming up out of nowhere saying they're, they're patriots, you know, especially quote-unquote Marxist, you know? And I think, um, like I said, I, this is not new. Everything Maupin has said, I've heard it like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know? And uh, Maupin or, you know, these um, mecha tankies, whatever they call themselves, like Haas and all of them, I heard all these things. And um, that's why I made the podcast so I can you know, address some of these. But it's, it's coming out so much and so fast that that's why we have to do the, those episodes with you and I because it's so much shit just yeah. with the indigenous aspect of it, not not even touching the other aspects of it with the, you know, the, the anti-trans, the anti-whatever, you know, the, the anti-furry for some reason, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you, anybody here heard that they're like they're anti furries. So you know, to me, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it about them so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like I was even trying to talk about Caleb without um, only kink shaming because again, that's not something we want to do. Like whatever you're into, you're into. But like that kind of is just the nature of most of the memes about the situation, just making fun of his his kink because it is kind of just it's funny in context for these people who are going around bragging about the stereotypically masculine uh you know machismo kind of like american patriotism thing that they're putting forward and then you find out that they all want to get like spanked in public and then you it's like when you find out that the people who are the most homophobic are secretly gay it's like all of this is just too perfect it's like yeah. and i was saying it's like, it's like earlier, alex yeah. jones, jones. <laughs> trans porn on his phone right yeah right yeah well yeah, when you want to like strip like queer and like lgbtq issues down to like a bourgeois affectation you you don't get to do that shit anymore like no at that that point you have consigned yourself to sex for procreation only fuck off like let people like like what they like and do what they want to do and be themselves and be happy or don't don't tell people you guys aren't allowed to do it but i can pursue it because it's different and it's okay like not to even compare a kink to being trans, but like to ha- to have that opinion, which has been abandoned by every Marxist de- like decades, if not a century ago. Like, no, I, I, I'm learning about all of this now, so I'm getting like angrier than I should. Fuck this guy. Well, that that's all I was getting. At. I keep stumbling over myself, but it was the it's the hypocrisy. Like that's what it comes down to for me. Is like it's always the Pat Sox who are talking about how they are the real champions of women and everyone else on the left is like some kind of liberal um, opportunist who's predatory to women. And then you find out that this is what they are actually up to in practice. Um, but I did want to, I kind of want to get uh, Jaron and Blaine to read that Snapchat conversation between Malpin and his wife. Cause I think that would be really, yes, funny. please. But before we do, Rick, you had something. <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole trans thing is to me, to me it's kind of weird how they accuse it of being like bourgeoisie or whatever, or, you know, liberal. It's like in, in indigenous communities, in a lot of indigenous communities around the world, we had people with different genders, different, 
you know, trans people. And even like we have the language to describe them and they're part of our communities, you know? Mm-hmm. So for them to, to say that it's part of capitalism, to me, it's fucking garbage. Obviously, yeah. they don't understand anything besides their European colonized selves, you know? But, you know, these people should, first off, shouldn't be t- talking for us, you know? You know but um, when we dismantle c- capitalism and patriarchy, you know, these things are going to reemerge. They're going to reemerge again, you know? These people with multiple genders, trans people, and, you know, more than they are now in society uh, to, you know, to challenge the patriarchy. And we should support this community, you know, and, and not claim because... To me, it's just, they're just weird. You know, like, uh, to try to claim it that they're bourgeoisie is, is just really disgusting and it's borderline, you know, fascist in my point of view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and likewise Thank- with the decolonization issues, taking the bourgeois stance on decolonization and land back, which is just, just keep things in the hands of the settlers and then claim that the people who say otherwise, who are actually fighting for the indigenous and working class people to say that they are not the real Marxists. Like, it's always hypocrisy. They always are having misconstruing of things. Uh, which I bring. Uh, I, I want to. Uh, I I agree with you on on uh, in principle, Rick. But I will say there have been numerous socialist leaders throughout history who have dismissed uh, like trans people and 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 queer people as a bourgeois affectation, and through good praxis, did eventually come around. Like I do think that there is room to have a shitty belief and learn from it and grow. The problem is, uh. We've done that learning and growing. Like, uh, uh, Castro, like, is is a good one. He was one of the the points I've always heard made about Castro when I was younger and before I knew anything about Cuba was how anti, uh, how homophobic he was and everything else. And then I come come to find out, like, in what the eighties or yeah, in the eighties, he he came around and said that during the revolution there was too much going on for them to try and like learn about all of these issues and he handled it incorrectly and poorly but that he no longer felt that and that was how cuba ended up being one of the first countries well i i mean i don't know what metric you call it here but in the early 90s cuba was covering uh gender reassignment surgery for trans people mm-hmm. 20 years before that conversation's even happening in other parts of the world so like i'm not going to outright dismiss somebody who holds certain shitty beliefs if I think that there's room for them to grow. But in 2020, or 2022, whatever the fuck year this is, uh, yeah, there's not really a lot of room left to have that conversation. Well, the Pat like, It's, it's been rehashed too many fucking times. So many of these Pat Sox are people who were for LGBT rights for years now, and now all of a sudden they're getting sucked in. They're saying, oh, I was actually wrong about that. I'm, I'm suddenly a homophobe now, and I'm a Christian. It's like, <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. Like, from the bottom of my heart, go fuck yourself. Yeah, they're trying to do it under the cover of like, oh, like you're out of step with the masses and like what what sections of the masses, right? Like who who are you talking to, right? Are you talking to indigenous people? Are you talking to black people? You know what I mean? Like who are you talking to? Again, and you're only talking, you're taking, again, if we're talking about like, okay, because they're talking about like the ostensible like Trump base, right? Which is a small fraction of a voting of a small voting base to begin with right like what 40 50 percent of the population votes to begin with right mm-hmm. and then what is the what is the section of even trump's base that spills out this reactionary bullshit you know what i mean so yeah. who are we talking about guys like that's who we're going to appeal to that's who we're going to build the movement on really what's up Wayne? well just to piggyback off of that like doing anti-racist like anti-bigotry work is not necessarily always the same or no let me rephrase that doing anti-capitalist work does not always lead you to anti-racism anti-bigotry and things like that but a lot of times it does in my opinion anti-racism anti-bigotry and centering like minorities that usually does lead to anti-capitalism pretty much every time yeah, <laughs> and the the funny thing, and this is a a really funny thing I've encountered in my personal life, where they're saying that uh, what like that these people are out of touch with with like the masses or whatever. He's he's a reporter. He's a journalist. Like uh, Marxists love to fetishize like the blue collar worker, and I'm glad that we're actually like getting away from that a little bit. But I've I've been accused. Like, for my views, being like, oh, no, you're out of touch with what, like, working people really want. 
And that's hilarious to me because I am the most blue collar person I fucking know. Yeah. Like I work intermittently in machine shops as a mechanic and doing fabrication work. So I, I love it when a, a journalist like this like would imply that I, like we're out of like I'm the most in touch with the groups that he's talking about and now like I I, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, I can't abide this shit. Right, well, let's, um, Jared and Blaine, if you wouldn't mind pulling up that Snapchat conversation between Caleb and his wife. So I guess they're yeah. both org members. And to give a little context, like, this is where the culty stuff comes in, because he's, again, you'd have to read the article to get the whole synopsis and get all of it. But the brief summary is that he has all these grand visions about getting some kind of cabin out in the woods and having all what he calls the kids, which I guess is like all the org members. It's like, to be fair, that's how I refer to all the kids in the discord. But uh, I'm not predator like this guy. It's just a little different. Like, I also don't want to, like, move in with them. And I don't actually do that. Like, <laughs> he literally was living with these people. It's weird. But um, so he's talking to his wife about how he's going to yeah, get this cabin. But uh, I don't know. You guys want to read that? See if that comes across well? That's not how adults act. That's why I am moving up in the world and you aren't. I don't know, have social skills. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't know, have social skills. You don't like, know, have social skills. Like me, the wife, I don't. You gotta read the wife part. Oh, you are the one. That's not, that's not a response. That's like a different response. I am asserting myself like an adult. And I might get my bonus. Dream. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to make enough money with CPI that I will quit RT, and then I will leave you also. I'm going to set up a big compound in the woods where I live with all of my kids, and I studio to broadcast my show over the internet. You are crazy. And then... And that's cray-cray. Well, this That's is the best a shit show. Right? This is this is these people shouldn't be married. Well, obviously, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of wanted to dissect that, like Blaine. You pointed out that that uh, response she had at first was like, "It just says you are the one." And I don't know if that like she was in the middle of typing a response and she was going to say, "You are the one that did such and such thing," and then hit send by accident and just says, "You I were see. or." Or if she's just like geniusly passive aggressive because this guy is very wordy and loves to hear himself talk, obviously. And then he goes, you don't know, have social skills. And then she just goes, you are the one because it's just like, no, you No, <laughs> no, you. <laughs> and then he says, and I might get my bonus, which is like, you know, a 25 year old's thing to brag about. But then she's like, dream, <laughs> which is just perfect. Like. No punctuation, no nothing. I love it. She doesn't seem too concerned about being left by this dude. Yeah, I think she gave that the exact amount of energy it deserved, honestly. She's my hero. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, all right, I mean, that's mostly what I had on Caleb Malpin. We can just continue to talk about them, uh, Pat Sox in general, or just, like, his misdeeds. But, like, yeah, I mean, go read the Medium article. I'll put it in the show notes. Anybody can read about this... Uh, all this drama that's going on, but I'm just happy to see a bad Pat Sock go down. I don't know. I guess cancel culture works sometimes, and uh, I'm just waiting for some dirt on infrared or has to come out because I'm sure that that is going to happen anytime. Like, why is it always these people who just seems like they don't have a lot of concern for women uh, in like the way that they speak, but then profess that they are the most concerned for women? Why is it that they always have this weird misogynistic come out? I don't know. It's such a weird coincidence. It's so Blaine. Because women won't pick them. Yeah. It's crazy how the dudes that are like patriotic for like everything the U.S. stands for have really shitty views on basically everything. It's almost like, I don't know, we as communists try to like focus on contradictions and like they just ignore that shit at the gate. Mm -hmm. Well, does anybody else have any, uh, any other stuff? Since again, my five minute topic took up the first 50 minutes. Blaine, what'd you have? Yeah. No, you, do, no. you, do. <laughs> you should you gotta at least help me because this shit is so stupid which one the ron watkins thing oh my god ron watkins fled to australia i have to talk about it with somebody 
You need yeah. to give background on Ron Watkins, though, because oh like it's, it, this is like in conjunction with the Trump Mar-a-Lago shit and the January 6th, whatever. We have 12 minutes. Okay. Yeah, go. Ron Watkins is the guy who was own, is owner of A-Chan, yeah. A-Kun, and apparently he, there is like significant evidence that shows he is Q, like dummy evidence yeah. that he is Q. Yeah, there's a bunch of online backdoor tech bullshit that's like every time finger pointing Q right does something, it's tied to Ron Watkins. I think so. he's also been running for a political office in Arizona and it's been going horribly. It has been mm. going hilariously bad, thank God. He lost a lot of money. He lost so much fucking money. We love to I see love it. it. And um he I think is avoiding a subpoena for the J6 committee. So he fled to fucking Australia after the raid on Donald Trump because he likely either he either saw that he is not safe from the FBI or they found documents or both that would probably I'm speculating. This is purely speculative, but if if they could tie him in any way to any of the new radicalization that is happening, yeah, he would be pretty fucked. Well, and then he um, was on some shit about how Australia is like a really tragic place because they don't have guns and like what the what the fuck else did he? Like? He said they don't have guns and they have like the police are now the Gestapo and they're they're just taking people away for not being vaccinated. And then he followed it with like, well, I'm going there. <laughs> what? I I thought that they lived in like Southeast Asia. Yeah, he was in the Philippines for a while. Yeah, yeah, probably for some other super illegal reasons. I would speculate. But... It was like QAnon yeah. Anonymous has done a lot of deep dives on Ron Watkins and well, there was like a whole out. ass like documentary on, on series about those guys on oh, some yeah, network. I think it was on HBO. No, it's it's yeah, you're right. I've I've seen it and it's almost like a continuation of that shit ass HBO thing on the anarchists or whatever. Mm. Uh it same vibes where it's just like internet bros that think they're doing something and they're not, and then they fuck themselves and then they look back at themselves getting fucked and they're like, Why am I getting fucked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Nice, we covered that in two minutes. Um, okay, in Georgia, a bunch of music festivals are getting shut down left and right because this crazy bitch named Philip Evans is going around suing everybody for not being able to bring a gun to these festivals. So Music Midtown polled, 404 polled. Anywhere that is on public ground, yeah. they they lost, They I think, I don't know if they've lost a lawsuit, but I know that the Georgia Supreme Court ruled in favor of this guy. Well, he's a libertarian. Sure. I don't know. Probably. Ironically, I'll... using the government to his disposal. <laughs> Hypocrite much? Every time. But I would like to point out Music Midtown is a Live Nation event. Look, all I'm saying is Maybe. I don't feel comfortable seeing the chain smokers unless I can bring a 9mm. Okay? I just I mean, unironically... <laughs> Yes. You guys don't understand that to stop, <laughs> to stop a bad guy with a gun, you need a crowd of people with guns waiting outside for them. And that's if everyone has good aim. You know what I mean? Like, this just gets messy the more you look at it, the more, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know. Uh, I actually, I think we kind of, I meant to ask you, why did Ron Watkins flee to, oh. like, what was he fleeing exactly? What was the specific thing? Do you know? Or did we, I mean, did we why would he go to somewhere who's way friendlier with the U.S.? I know, right? Like, what a dumb place to go. Yeah, they'll yeah. fucking extradite you, man. They'll fucking extradite they will. you. <laughs> it's not safe there. I feel like the Philippines would too, but not nearly right. as fast. Yeah. Aside from the deadly animals, like, yeah, bad choice all around. Well, then there's, you got to consider, though, this man is at this point very likely broke. Yeah. So let's imagine maybe he had to liquidate some properties. Maybe he kept the one in Australia and got rid of the other one. I, I have. I have no idea, but you know, he's, he's obviously strapped for cash because he spent all of it on his shit ass Arizona congressional run. Yeah. Nice. Um, of which I think he got what, like 2.5% of the vote. I think he got four. We're splitting him. I think, I think it's, I know it's bad. Bad. I remember <laughs> He's just going to slip up and those fucking Australian authorities are going to fucking like, no warrant needed to just go through all his fucking digital records, like, all his devices. They can hack all that shit with no warrants. This that That's that authoritarian Gestapo he was talking about. Yeah. He'll fucking raid all that shit, and then we'll see some more shit come out. 
Can I can I ask just a question for the room though, which mm. is like it's it's the obvious softball question. Do you think that they could or will arrest Donald Trump? Mm. I hate this question. Ah, fool me once. <laughs> Ward's always going to say no just because he's worried about getting fooled. Like he just doesn't want to say that he will. And then no, because really fucking Mike made fun of me that one yeah, fucking time because I was like, yeah, he'll get arrested, and then he's made fun of me ever since. So no, I don't think he will because I don't want to get made fun of. I also will say Aww. that he won't, and I also, I just will take the stance that I will happily be proven wrong about anything on this show. Like I want desperately for everyone to come in here and own me. I want that TikTok guy in a couple of weeks to come in here and tell me, uh, actually, climate change is going to be fine, and yeah. I just need to start my own business, and it's all going to be cool. Like I, that's I, what I, I really yeah. want. Oh, God, you. Thank you so much, bro. I'll beat him too. As soon as I see the news, I'll fucking call you and be like, "Ha, bitch, I was right." <laughs> I can imagine a world where he gets charged and prosecuted, but not a world where he ever does time. Yeah, because. It would set an ugly precedent for future presidents if, like, a, if a, a president actually gets charged and convicted and sentenced for crimes committed in office. I mean, that's the tired point, right? Like, but that it's so true where it just opens the door for all of the criminals. <laughs> but then also politically motivated charges. What did you have, Ray? Yeah. I don't know if you saw the past talks are using Trump as a, like as a martyr uh, <laughs> against the what? government. <laughs> it's the weirdest Fuck. shit. Yeah. <laughs> we just went full oh, circle. Yeah. That sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, and like using the whole Mar-a-Lago thing to be like, oh, could, like we should use this moment to radicalize conservatives that now hate the FBI. Yeah. Some weird shit, dude. Mental gymnastics. Gold medal. Should- I think that you should use the moment to strip the FBI of authority, but the people who disagree with, or who, who like suddenly agree with like defund the FBI, it's for such wildly different reasons. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna reach a compromise with those people. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, like I hate the FBI because they assassinated Fred Hampton. You hate him because he raided peacefully raided a fat old <laughs> oligarch's house and maybe took some stuff like oh, no. we are not the same yeah, yeah yes. that, that is the funny thing about these padlocks right is the the stances that they just ha- so happen to take like they are always conveniently on the side of the republicans on every issue and i don't know why that is it's just such a weird coincidence this feels way. like it has it's a lot of parallels Marshall. with black hammer yeah yeah i mean that's another recent drama that we could sort of talk about i mean I don't know much about it other than like Ghazi got arrested and they got raided by the FBI. And I'll tell you, this actually, this kind of hits close to home to me because it's the only other org that I joined, not Black Hammer. I joined the Uhuru org after we had uh, Comrade Diop on and I joined the uh, African People Solidarity Committee and it's a great org. Like I joined it and I was, I'm a dues paying member. And now I'm like legit worried that I'm going to get fucking raided by the FBI just because I'm like on their rolls of the computers that, you know, the FBI took from them because they got raided as well as as the Black Hammer org, which I also didn't realize Black Hammer was an offshoot of Uhuru. Um, but I, apparently that was the case. So then, but yeah, I mean, they weren't exactly like in good standing with each other, were they? No, no, no. Like Ghazi oh. had, I think, been ousted like years back and or he voluntarily left because they were like too revisionist for him, like because he's just too hardcore or whatever. I don't know. But like it was just. Yeah. So the Black Hammer org was obviously the very weird version. And what I was getting at was that this really bums me out because even Chapo had a really fucking shitty episode about this whole situation because they talked about Black Hammer and described them rightfully as a weird organization with predatory Ghazi at the top of it doing really fucked up shit, just like Caleb Malpin over here. But then they also just kind of described Uhuru and the African People's Solidarity Committee and uh, the African People's Socialist Party as a weird organization. And I really took offense to that because all they did was write them all off as crazy or as a bunch of white people who were like running an org. And like literally the whole reason behind it is that the people in the org pay reparations. Like when I pay monthly dues, it goes to programs that fund doulas and midwives for people who can't afford them on their own. They build houses for people who cannot afford them. 
they open up food co-ops and like farm sharing organizations and then there was another one it was like literally education like they are doing on the ground material stuff with this money that i give them and it's like there's nothing illegal that they're doing they're not suggesting anything insurrectionary or even like revolutionary like their idea of revolutionary is not like the fucking white boy larper shit of like blowing things up and being like a fucking chris dorner or whatever it's like they're literally just helping people on the ground and that's what that work is all about and that's why it really pissed me off when chapo <laughs> just wrote them off as a bunch of loonies and it's like it really made and i've been bottling that one up for a week or so now so sorry if that just came and out. that's what you get for listening to chapo i had no idea chapo did that that's nuts. no and i was gonna say like my only context on well most of my context on the black camera stuff comes from that episode and I've been slowly, I still listen to Chapo sometimes just to get a laugh and stuff like that. But they were having a conversation just broadly in that episode about like decolonization. And it just, you know, just reinforced how kind of unserious that show is in terms of actually politics, because they're like, oh, and like the, I think the quote was, it was like, oh, and the worst people, you know, or whatever, the most annoying people in the room are throwing out this word decolonization. It's like, no, motherfuckers, like if you're if you're having a serious conversation about like leftism in the US, you need to be talking about that. Like, sorry, but like also I can be annoying and still write. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. That's my wife. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Nick, I forgot until you said that, that that was another really annoying part about that. They just described everyone who is concerned about actual like material parts of Marxism. Uh are just like annoying people who are just like literally just doing like the SJW thing, right? Like they're doing yeah. that old fucking hat thing. And you can tell exactly where that's coming from. It's because they're rich fucking kids who live in LA or Long Island or wherever, and they can't actually talk about something that would affect them materially because then they start to start, they have to start looking in a mirror and you cannot and that's that's where it always comes to with these fucking libs, right? Yeah, Trunon did just the just did a two part on Black Hammer. They just released it. It's really good. And they don't yeah. shit on like any of the who 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 yes, movement. Yes, or... they did though. I didn't I listen to it yet. I oh, I must be misremembering. Um, it it was it was cat like it wasn't like a strong dismissal, but they said some really like dismissive shit of Uhuru. And also, uh, like God, I I always forget the name of of the rap group. The um, I can remember the name of the members, but there there's a really super super political uh, hip hop duo from, um, uh, Florida from like early 2000s that I guess was affiliated with the Uhuru movement. That stuff, like their music turned me on to a lot of radical politics back in the day because like th they go in depth on a lot of things and they were also making fun of them. Kills me. Yeah, I must be remember because I remember they hit on the point when uh, Ghazi left um, that like he immediately started saying like, oh, I was a victim of them. They're very cult-like. And so... Yeah, I must have misremembered. But yeah, like, yeah, Ghazi, like, from this jump, like, as soon as he left, he was like, oh, I was a victim. They're a cult. Like, don't fucking go over there. You should be over here with me. Yeah. Well, I mean, my closing thought on both of Dead these. Dead Press. That's who it is. I, I couldn't remember the name for a second. Uh, it just, this all just makes me feel very normal, I will say. Just on a personal note, like, because when I see, like, you know, what, the, what Ghazi and the Black Hammer Org were up to, I'm like, that's that's out there. Like, you, I don't know, I don't get it. I, I, weird. And then like when I see what like this Caleb Malpin and his cult are up to, it's like it's fucking weird. And then like every time I'm like worried about like, I don't know, like I have this, uh, we have all these kids in the Discord, and like there's a bunch of fun conversations in there. Not weird at all now. Like anything that I think even was going on that I thought was weird before, like people talking about their pets. Or whatever, like, bullshit they're talking about. It's, like, not weird at all. Like, we are very normal. And I'm very happy that we have this very normal group of normal leftists uh, in contrast with these cults that are springing up all over the place. And I, I say that to because I literally was saying to Sterling, I was like, I, it almost makes me want to, like, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. It makes me want to walk into the FBI office and just say, hey, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm up to. Just check it out. Like, we're actually very normal. Like, we are, like... <laughs> Pretty reasonable. Do not do that. And like you do Mike's not have to whiteness worry about us, is showing people. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's whiteness is showing. Hey, listen, who's, to... who's in charge of my file? Listen, buddy. I'm so normal. Let's get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would look even weirder, right? That would look weirder to do that. Yes, that would look so much weirder. <laughs> you guys, like, I'm not the one you need to worry about. I'm not doing this shit. Like, I'm just, just hanging out over here in, in the house. <laughs> no, I get the sentiment. The one one thing I th I think is interesting that I, I would 
like to touch on is so what you you were saying that they were talking about like what trying to get land and like do whatever with their kids like that was one of of Caleb Maupin's plans and also Black Hammers but yeah well but that that's why I bring it up man any any time a Marxist wants to become separatist instead of uh, revolutionary or at the very least reformist s- something about separatism just seems wildly off base to me that at that point you're you're no better than hippies in the 60s who were starting a commune it's it you're not doing anything to improve the social conditions of anyone you're just saying like ah, i'm not going to participate anymore at that point you're you're not a marxist yeah, yeah. if you want a good chuckle look at the like the 3d rent the renderings of like what black hammers like supposed like compound was supposed to be it looks like some fucking weird teletubby village Oh, sick. What's up, Rick? This is my closing remarks. Um, I wonder where Caleb bought the ring, though. For real, it's like, what? Where did he get it from? You know, a store. <laughs> what? How did he choose it? He's like, oh, this one has a little heart in it. You know, I don't know. Screenshots of it. I want to see what these things look like. I'm dying. Uh, there's a picture of it online. Okay, I gotta. I'll put it in the show notes mm, as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling that up right now. <sighs> All right, well, let's wrap it up there. Um, I can have everybody plug their shows if they want. But yeah, I'll, I'll just wrap it up. I'm just going to say, yeah, we're just very normal. Like, And I will, I'm going to take it all the way back to like one of the first episodes that we recorded when I will say that like I'm not worried about any of the shit we say or do online, not because I'm like trying to hide any revolutionary or like fucked up shit that we're doing, but literally because if you think that like you need to go get a compound in the woods or you need to stock up on a bunch of guns and do some like adventurist shit, then you literally do not understand Marxism. You do not understand that this shit only works when you have the whole population on your side. Like that's the whole point of the Vanguard Party guiding the people's revolution is like the people are the big part of that. Like you and your little group of like has incels are not going to be that revolution. I'm sorry, you guys. Like even you guys with all your millions of YouTube followers that, yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I had that many followers as like has or whatever, but like you're still not going to do it. Like that adventurism is not Marxism. And that's why like... It's good to feel normal. It's good to be like one of the normal ones. (laughs) Sorry, but if I could just add a thought onto that, Mike, because, you know, I think there is, there's a space where you can get into some of this stuff where it's like, okay, you're fighting very online things, right? But it is, I think in this case, it is a little bit different because they do have all these followers, right? And we're in a time where like, again, it's becoming more normal to be a socialist, anarchist, communist, whatever you want, just because the fucking material conditions are deteriorating around us, right? But you get guys like this with followings, and that's why we need to do our part to combat this shit, because this is not socialism, communism, whatever. Well, yeah. This isn't it, right? So, like, we do have to fight against these fight against these thoughts, right? And it's it's dangerous that they do have these followings in some, on some level. Because well, so. they're dangerous to other working class people. They're dangerous right. to trans and, and LGBT people. 100%. Whereas, like, if you wanted to be an actually effective socialist movement, you would have to be dangerous to the government and the country. And again, you can't do that until it's everyone. And that includes all the trans and gay and working class people and all the indigenous people and people of color. Like they're just going they're going down the wrong door. I'm I'm harping on it. I'm repeating myself. But Nick, you're, plug you're, your show. What, what you're saying is that Vouch is not the guy to lead a protracted people's war. We never said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that, bro. He may be. <laughs> Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Vouch, is, Vouch is still wrong, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't so wait Nick until his from... text messages get dropped somewhere. Oh, those so, are going to be good, too. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Fuck it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm Nick uh, from the Intervention Pod. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Uh, it's good to be with all you guys tonight. Yeah, and it'd be, it is nice to talk to normal lefties. That's right. It's a sentiment <laughs> I'll share. <laughs> Brandon, go ahead. Plug yours. Oh, uh, I'm Brandon from Cars and Comrades. Listen to it or don't. It's pretty niche whatever oh yeah and jaron award you guys are on my show rick go ahead play yours um yeah i'm at decolonized buffalo uh, i do want to say that um loyalty rings are yesterday get matching tattoos just saying you know so <laughs> yeah decolonized any thoughts on that <laughs> what's that word blaine any thoughts on that what about matching that- tattoos yeah, like, wait, let me make sure I heard that correctly, because it will change my answer. I said that uh, loyalty rings are yesterday. You should get ma- uh, matching tattoos instead. Following uh. <laughs> with a book report of the synopsis of the description of the Tree of Gondor will be accepted payment. <laughs>
I've never read Tolkien. I have no idea. Or Bitcoin. <laughs> I say I'm a big Tolkien fan, and you almost had me fooled there for a second. <laughs> no, I, I actually have. That was sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Oh, so there are a lot of Tolkien fans. If you believe me to live in a Tolkien world, you would probably do it. And I can't blame you. <laughs> can't review this. All right. Like I'm going to cut it off there. All right. Thanks, yeah. for you guys. It was fun. Right. Everybody's links to the podcast guys. will be in the show notes later. Later. Bye. Later. Take it easy, y'all. Yeah.